This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold and you are listening to episode 155 part one. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope everyone had a fantastic week. It is Friday evening going into Saturday morning. I had a great week. It's been very productive. We got a lot of stuff done. Last night, uh, Maggie ran to the YMCA, trying to get back in the habit of going to the gym. So we're going hiking with Willie G a couple times a week. She's going to hit the gym a couple times a week. I'll hit the gym a couple times a week. Getting back in the flow. So last night, she got home a little late, but I cooked up a skirt steak. Folks, it was delicious. Delicious. I pounded it with the meat tenderizer, rubbed it down with a little bit of oil. Uh, some flake salt and some pepper, uh, heated up that cast iron skillet, fried it for a minute and a half on each side, and then I tented it under foil for about five minutes and got some butter cooking up in a separate pan. You don't want to go back in that hot cast iron pan because uh, the butter will catch on fire. So I heated it up in another pan. And I got the butter with a little bit of oil bubbling nice and then put the steak back in for about 45 seconds on each side. I tented it again for a few minutes under the uh, foil, just letting it sit, you know, so it locks in those juices. And I sliced it against the grain. It was rare inside, nice and crispy on the outside. And I put it over some garlic linguine we got from the local organic pasta shop. And I just cooked that up with a little bit of oil, uh, a little bit of uh, butter. I put some uh, garlic-infused oil on it that we get from a local olive oil shop here. And some uh, Italian parsley, some garlic, a little bit of Parmesan cheese. So I put that down, put the meat over the top, and then we had Brussels sprouts with carrots. It was uh, divine, ladies and gentlemen, divine. You know I love my food. Uh, one day, I'm going to launch a, a little cooking show alongside with this. One day, if I ever have time. So, uh, anyway, that was fun. I hope you guys had a great week. We're going to enter the weekend. I'm going to keep going, popping out shows over here as we are picking apart the technology, the infrastructure behind the technocracy right now. 
You know, over the last few shows, we've been talking about all the data that's collected in the world through smart cities, through the Internet of Things, through the sensors, through our phones, through our devices, through our wearables, how that goes up into the cloud, the companies behind the cloud, how the servers work. We're about to get into data centers tonight. Uh, all very exciting stuff. As I told you yesterday, I'm, I'm just not going to chase the shiny objects, you know, the Chinese balloons, the, the alien ufos that were not in fact alien ufos and now this ohio river situation with uh, east palestine uh, ohio but i talked to maria albanese co-host of the thomas Paine podcast on fridays late last night and she told me that her and mike are talking to some folks on the ground there they're going to keep their eye on it they're going to do some reporting on it i think that's great it's it's good to know that someone reputable, someone truly independent like Mike Moore over at the Thomas Paine podcast is going to do that. And uh, I've known Maria Albanese, been friends with her for, I don't know, five, six, seven years, and I trust her judgment. So it's good to know. So I'll be tuning in to the Thomas Paine podcast when I'm not working on this show to get information on what's going on there because now they're saying even Maryland, where I am, could be affected. Obviously, West Virginia, where we're looking to buy property. We actually just saw a 22-acre piece of property pop up for $150,000. It's a great deal. Probably going to go down if it turns out uh, everything has been polluted. But as I said, I I just don't have the time to research it, so I'm not comfortable talking about it because I don't want to provide you with any information that's not true. I don't want to be part of the fear porn you know, if it's not as bad as it appears to be. So hopefully Maria and Michael sort that out and um, we can have Maria give us some updates and I could relay those to you if you don't listen to the Thomas Paine podcast. Uh, if you'd like to get access to that information, you can go over to the Thomas Paine podcast on Apple or any other podcast player, or you could join us at pain.tv slash gold, you know, sign up for the regular subscription for less than $9 a month, or you can sign up for the hot wire where Mike does additional shows uh, with his highest level of intelligence and if you sign up with the uh, hotwire or the basic with the dg uh, when you go there it says dg then i'll be credited with that i get 50 percent of the sign up and the subscription in perpetuity so it helps put food on my table you're going to get access to the ad-free video version of this podcast and the Thomas Paine podcast, and also access to a Facebook-like mobile application and website where you can network with like-minded folks, fans of this show, fans of the Thomas Paine podcast, fans of Maria Albanese, people like Wide Awake Jim are on there, Dana Acker, Mark, others that I've had on the show as guests. So you can talk to them, learn from each other, uh, research, share information, help other people, start groups on there just like Facebook. It's a fantastic platform, folks. And I, and I didn't even mean to go into a plug there, but I just wanted to mention it because uh, if you want to follow what's going on with Ohio, I know Mike and Marie are going to be dumping a lot of information over there, folks. Uh, also, uh, yesterday, we started getting into IBM and IBM's connection to the Nazis and the Holocaust and helping Hitler run the ghettos, the concentration camps, the train system, running the census for Germany and then eventually other countries that they occupied so they could weed out uh, Jews and undesirables. Again, folks, I-, I know there's a lot to that story. I've covered Operation Paperclip here. I've covered MK Ultra, all connected to that. But when I'm talking about IBM in context... 
to what they did to help Adolf Hitler. I'm going to go off the official narrative on World War II, the stuff we were taught in school, the uh, thing that most folks across the world, especially from the West, were taught about World War II because it calls into question IBM's partnership And there were many other companies and bankers as well. The same folks, just like IBM, that are helping build the smart city technology, the prison planet technology, the technocracy of today. So essentially, IBM's punch card system, this system that was designed to track folks uh, for Hitler and the Nazis, is what is being used today, except now they're doing it through actual data collection through data processing, through data analytics on a large scale. So it's pretty scary because it's almost like what they tested in Nazi Germany has now come to fruition on a much grander scale. That's why it's important. So I'm going to finish up the information on IBM um, in the first part of this show, and then we're going to work into the data centers. And I reached out to the author of the book that we were uh, talking about yesterday, and his name is uh, Edwin Black, and he wrote the book IBM and the Holocaust, The Strategic Alliance Between Nazi Germany and America's Most Powerful Corporation. Uh, And as I explained to you, this book has come out uh, in stages. He released the first copy in, I believe, uh, 2000. He did an update in 2022. Each time he got more information and more evidence, he added to the book and released new versions of it. IBM has never denied the claims within that book. In fact, in fact, all they did was try to besmirch his character. They attacked the messenger, uh, mainly because they said, this isn't fair what you're doing to us. And then Edwin Black challenged IBM to release all of their corporate documents from World War II era. And IBM's response was, sorry, all that stuff was destroyed during the war. So I reached out to Edwin Black. He apparently has a syndicated radio show. He talks about a lot of different subjects, but obviously the big one was his New York Times bestseller, IBM and the Holocaust. So hopefully we can get him on, because I'd love to pick his brain, and I'd love to get his opinions on whether or not he believes that the IBM punch card system is now... You know, what we see today as far as technocracy, technology goes, smart city, all of this prison planet tech that we are witnessing. So hopefully we will get him on. All right, folks. Another thing I want to mention, we talked briefly about Ashburn, Virginia. Uh, where we found the article from Voice of America, the CIA's propaganda media conglomerate. All right. And even they admit it's not a secret. I've dug it up on a number of other places. Okay. Big tech in the trades they talk about it. Ashburn, Virginia is a huge data center community. They have over 275 data center warehouses, many of which are unmarked buildings. All right. They boast that they have over 18 million square feet of server floor space, which is about 420 acres. 
you know, of servers. They say that over 70% of the world's data and internet traffic flows through Ashburn before it's disseminated back out to the world. We know that it all kicked off with AOL America Online back in 1994, right around the time they started introducing internet into households here in America. So my wife, based on the nature of her work, happens to know Ashburn well. And she said, oh, yeah, you go there. There's barely any houses. If you want to rent there, it's very expensive. And there are warehouses all over the place. So I happen to be not too far from Ashburn. So I'm going to make a trip down there maybe in the coming week. And I'm going to film a show from there, or at least do a walk around where I look at some of the buildings and such. I, I think it would be quite interesting because if Ashburn is representative of the uh, old IBM punch card system, this is where they're storing all of this data they're collecting on us that they're going to use to control us. I should probably go down there. I need to start doing some reporting for the field. I have Fort Dietrich literally one mile from me. The home of MK Ultra, where Sidney Gottlieb, the chief chemist for the CIA, was running all the mind control experiments. Uh, Fort Dietrich is famous for many other things. In fact, China, at the beginning of COVID Land, the high school theater production, when Trump was calling it the China virus, China virus, unbelievable China virus, China, China, China. Um, China came back and said, hey, you created this at Fort Detrick. And then we found out that Fort Detrick scientists were actually over at the Wuhan lab. We were funding the Wuhan lab. So Fort Detrick has a lot of history. We do a lot of evil things there. And Fort Detrick is one mile down the street from me. I happen to also be a few miles from Camp David uh, as well. That's where the uh, presidents go and they hang out. All right. So I will probably be making a trip to Ashburn soon. Another big announcement. Uh, I will be reaching out to him after I finish recording the show today via email. Joe Allen, all right, who is a reporter, uh, an independent journalist with uh, Steve Bannon. He regularly appears on Steve Bannon's show. Him and I last night were going back and forth on Twitter. It's hard to tell what his stance is. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but it looked like he was in part defending Peter Thiel, who you know I hate Peter Thiel, all right? He's a technocratic transhumanist oligarch. He's compared Christianity to uh, transhumanism, saying they both offer immortality. He's been funding Singularity going back to 2006 through the Singularity Institute. His software from various companies is embedded in almost every government agency if not all of them he's been involved with covid tracking he has said that covid was going to bring this basically this great boom of opportunity where we could drive this new economy in to replace the old economy he is involved in immortality he's got companies focused on injecting young people's blood into old people he is elon musk's sugar daddy going back to the paypal mafia days so i don't know if joe was defending teal it appeared that way all of a sudden he said he wanted to debate me because i said that peter teal was evil and he said that you know he can't look into people's hearts well i said peter teal by his actions his companies and his investments is anti-human if i can't call somebody who's anti-human evil you know then what are we even talking about here so joe said listen i'll debate you and i wrote him back i said listen I don't debate anymore, but I will have a discussion because 
we're at least supposed to believe we're all on the same side of humanity. We are trying to further understand the history, the present, and the future of technocracy and transhumanism and how these things are going to affect our lives as individuals and a collective of humans. So I will have a discussion with you. And he said, that sounds great, better than my proposal. I guess his proposal was to debate. So he said, reach out to him. Uh, we DM back and forth last night. He said, reach out to him uh, uh, via email. So I'm going to do that today and see if we can set up that discussion. I could do that right here on the Dustin Gold Standard. I'd love to have a discussion with him about this on Steve Bannon's show as well. You know how I feel about that setup, but I'm willing to step into the belly of the beast, folks. So, Joe Allen, um, you know, listen, you could, you could find him on Twitter. You could read what he writes. We talk about similar things. You know, in, in all honesty, I believe I go deeper. I believe I'm trying to dig down into the real folks behind this, the power behind it, what the state is doing, the front men like Peter Thiel and Elon Musk. Uh, and I'll give Joe and, and Bannon credit. They do they do go after Musk. They don't kiss Musk butt. But I think it's impossible to uh, criticize Elon Musk without bringing Peter Thiel into the conversation, considering that Thiel is invested in all of Musk's projects, including the Neuralink brain chip, SpaceX, Starlink, all that other stuff. So uh, we will see if we're going to have this discussion with Joe Allen. It will be respectful, folks. Again, it'll be about learning from each other. And hopefully, I'll be able to shed some light on Peter Thiel based on the research we've done over here. And I told you folks, I've got a whole other series ready to go on Peter Thiel that I am uh, gearing up to roll out. So maybe this Joe Allen discussion will be a great segue into the next Peter Thiel series, folks. So that's a good thing. Maybe our information, our research, uh, our message, our narrative will spread through the halls of uh, the straddling of Magaland, you know, where Steve Bannon lives one foot in and one foot out of that. All right, folks, I'll be right back, and then we're going to start jumping into some heavy stuff. Oh, and I'm going to show you a demo of chat GPT at the start of the next segment. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. All right, folks, we are back right here at the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold. So, folks, tonight we're going to finish up on this IBM Nazi stuff. And then we're going to start looking at the uh, data center technology and then our work our way into chat GPT. And I'm going to teach you about natural language processing, semantic search, generative AI. We're going to talk all about that because um, I've been playing around with some AI platforms. I'm just going to give you a teaser now because I know this keeps getting pushed back. But I've been playing around with chat GPT. And right now you have... OpenAI, which we'll explain in depth later on with their version. And then you have Google with their version. And then you have Microsoft with their version. So all of a sudden, all these companies that we're supposed to believe are competitors are all coming out 
with these uh, chat GPTs at the same time, right? All at the same time. Total coincidence. All their technology, all done in secret, just happens to be done at the same time. You remember when Henry Ford unveiled the uh, first uh, car that he had and 17 other competitors had the same car on the same day. It's a total joke, folks. It's all coordinated. It's just like you have all these countries in Europe that go back thousands of years, and then you have us that goes back 250 years. But at the same time, we're all having the same problems, open borders, you know, economy, inflation, COVID land, the high school theater production, all the same problems at the same exact time, even though each of the countries are a different number of years old and stuff. You would think we would be at different stages of development, but no, because it's all interconnected. It's all interconnected, just like these companies. They're not competitors. They're all puppets of the uh, U.S. government, of the state. Uh, But let let me just show you. This is interesting. I'll just give you a preview on this so we don't delay it anymore because we're going to go through the data servers and we might not get into the full in-depth research on the technologies that make this up. And I want to be able to start to mix in my thoughts on artificial intelligence. Um, so I've been playing with this OpenAI chat GPT. I signed up for an account, a free account with OpenAI. So yes, folks, I took one for the team. I gave them my information. But if I want to be able to demo this stuff for you, I have to do it. So I gave them my info. I signed up for an account. Now, I've also been playing around with AI graphics, um, generators and stuff like that. So last night I was messing around. Let me see if I have it because it's uh, interesting. Uh, I might have closed it, folks. All right. Well, anyway, I was playing around with um, a graphics generator. And what I did was I opened this thing up and then you type in what you want the graphics generator to create. And then you can pick from say like a thousand different styles so you could pick 3d animation art you can pick charcoal art you could pick gothic art um you know all these different styles pointillism cartoons whatever so i picked like 3d uh animation and i i just typed in uh draw me a picture of gary Busey eating a carrot right And within uh, less than a minute, now, if you pay for the service, and I'll show you, they have the free end and then the paid end, all these things now, including chat GPT. Um, If you pay for it, you you get it within three to 10 seconds. So lo and behold, all of a sudden, I have a 3D cartoon of Gary Busey eating a carrot. So then I go over and I select uh, gothic style art. And I put in, uh, draw me a picture, you know, you're just typing it into a text box. Draw me a picture of an old Christopher Walken smoking a joint. And lo and behold, less than a minute later, boom, I have that picture. Now, on this particular AI art generator, you have the ability, as I said, to to buy tokens, basically, credits. And like what you would do with any stock photo company, iStock photo, any of those. And then you have access to services. So you can get the image in a higher resolution, for instance, if you wanted to print it. You can actually license it. 
and turn it into your piece of art. You can turn it into an NFT, a non-fungible token. I've explained to you what those are. And then you could turn around and sell that on some sort of an NFT cryptocurrency exchange. You could do a lot of different stuff with it. Uh, and, and it's fairly uh, scary, folks. As someone who was in graphic design, I made my money as a designer for many years, building custom graphics for folks, for everything from logos to print material to websites to signage to marketing material um, to custom art inside of offices. And I said, this is pretty scary. Now, I was having a conversation last night with my father, you know, former cop, private investigator. Um, he has an iPad, but he doesn't have an iPhone. You know, he knows barely anything about tech other than being able to text back and forth with my sister and me. And so he said to me, well, okay. And he doesn't understand everything that this system could do. He just saw the art. And I said, this is what I asked it to do. And this is what it gave me. He goes, okay, but you know, you can create something a lot better. Like if a customer actually wanted a drawing or a logo, a logo of Gary Busey eating a carrot or Christopher Walken smoking a joint, like you can create better art than that. I said, yeah, I know that I can, right? And chat GPT, you'll see in a moment, can produce poems, right? Uh, it can write term papers and essays. And I've read some and they're not that great. But you have to ask yourself this. They've been promoting this idea of artificial intelligence now for many, many years. The question is, are the computers, the servers, the data that it's pulling from, its ability to process that and turn it into something like art, its ability to see the words, eating a carrot, Gary Busey and 3D art, and then generate an image off that, does that make it more intelligent than humans? Or, or is this part of the psychological warfare operation, the brainwashing, to make humans believe that computers are more intelligent than them? And the issue is this. This is where I'm at with it right now. Let's just take it from the standpoint of creating art, creating paintings like this, or graphics, or creating poems, or creating written literature, or essays, or reports, or books, right? If AI can do that, but it's not as good as a professional, it's not as good as an artisan, it's not as good as a craftsman, it's not as good as a creative, it's not as good as a poet, it's not as good as a songwriter, because the AI is just creating it off a collection of data that it has access to and then its ability to assemble various data points that all originally came from humans. Those things came from human experiences, right? When a real artist, you know, takes LSD and writes a song or a real painter sits down in front of the ocean and paints the ocean in their style, through their eyes, through their soul, Right? Is it the same thing if artificial intelligence, a computer, is digging down into a database of all the collection of things created from people and their experiences, their feelings, their thoughts, their emotions, and their soul? Is it the same? No, I don't believe so. I don't believe so. But here's the issue. I believe the intentional dumbing down of society, of humanity... The intentional destruction and erosion of culture, right, and art and literature 
that has occurred over the last 50 to 100 years was in fact done intentionally to get humans to the point where humans are now willing to accept this idea that artificial intelligence is in fact more intelligent than them. See, if you lower the average IQ of humanity down to 65 literally walking vegetables, you know, the movie Idiocracy, if people are walking around willing to accept mediocrity as excellence, and that comes in the form of customer service, that comes in the form of salesmanship, that comes in the form of products that come from China, a coffee maker that breaks every six months and you have to buy a new one instead of buying an old-fashioned U.S.-made coffee maker that'll last your lifetime. And maybe you go down to a local shop that fix appliances and he tunes up your coffee maker every five or ten years or puts new soles on your leather shoes. You know, that's what we're losing. And it was done intentionally. This is what we were exporting to Europe during World War II, the post-war Marshall Plan. American mass consumption, American mass production, right? These were our ideas that we brought to China when we began the transfer of manufacturing from the United States to China under Henry Kissinger and President Richard Nixon. I am not a crook, but you did steal manufacturing and turn it over to China. So this has been done intentionally, right? And as we poison people, you know, through the soil, through the air, through the water, through the food. As we poison people through big pharma, through vaccines, through medications. As we poison people and we've dummied them down through the public indoctrination center school system. People are no longer looking for professionals and artisans and craftsmen and creatives All that stuff is going out the window and we're opening up the door for artificial intelligence to step in because people no longer demand excellence. People no longer demand uh, folks that are perfectionists. People don't respect that anymore. If you're a perfectionist in the workforce now, you're going to lose your job. You probably weren't going to get hired in the first place because companies want robots. Where did this model come from? We uncovered that. Professor Henry Murray, the guy who toyed with Ted Kaczynski's brain at Harvard back when Kaczynski was 16 years old, he went to work for the Office of Strategic Services, the precursor to the CIA, and developed assessment of men, the protocol for how companies choose leaders within the company, how they choose managers, how they select employees that are going to be robots. They are going to just be nodes within the system. This is what the technocracy has done to us. This is what the transhumanists and the technocrats are doing. Dummying down, dumbing down society in order to get society to accept artificial intelligence as its replacement. We were too enlightened. We were too excellent for the technocrats. So they had to intentionally 
destroy us so they could replace us with something far inferior. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. 